there's so many layers in the show. Sometimes it's, uh, it's, it brings the adventure and action you want to see in Star Wars, but also it becomes very dark and political. Mm-hmm. It's a, a spy thriller. It'll be like a film, uh-huh. basically, yeah. a good chunk. But also it's important for us uh, that you get to see three episodes so you understand the, what we're aiming for, I see. you know? I got it's, you. Uh, it's, it's a lot of new characters, new planets. Welcome, everybody, to Back in My Day. My name is David Petrangelo, and this week, the not-so-stereotypical millennials are going to a galaxy far, far away once again, talking about the latest Star Wars live-action series and or on Disney+. Plus. This week, I'm lucky enough to be joined by... Michael R. Power. And Ian Walter. And Mr. Ian Walter is our special guest this time. We're going to give you that status for this episode. You are our expert as well, good sir, because uh, you're you're covering this show elsewhere. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. Let's give your stuff a little bit of a plug and and why you're the uh, why you're going to be our ongoing expert for this show. We're going to have this on our main feed. We're going to have every couple of episodes, probably every two to three episodes, on our Patreon page as well. But you are going to be covering this episode by episode each week uh where we where can we uh find all that good stuff well i'm honored uh very fortunate to be writing articles for dork side of the force which is uh you know if the name doesn't give it away it's a very star wars nerd heavy site that covers all star wars news all things galaxy far far away and you know when they're dropping a a brand spanking new series like andor that we're going to be all over it. So I'm uh, very fortunate to be sort of covering it week to week. And that was a big drop with the first three episodes, which we're going to get into. So I'm excited for that. Uh, Aren't you lucky that they dropped all three at once? I mean, yeah. I see why they did it and we'll talk about it. But I mean, as the person writing reviews, it must, it must be hard. <laughs> well, it, it did allow me to streamline some things. And I think like mm-hmm. we'll we'll talk a little bit about the strategy to do three episodes. But there is some some strategy to that as well, whether it was intended that way or not, um, especially when you have a, a lengthier season. It sounds like we're going to get either 12, maybe even 24 episodes in this first season. So um, it'll be interesting to see that play out. So it's it's cool to get a little bit bigger chunk to chew on right off the rip rather than having to kind of analyze week to week and wonder where it's headed. I think we have a better idea now. Yeah, so I think it. it's 24 episodes in total, but two seasons. That was okay. that's what yes. I was. Yeah. Right, that's right. That's right. And like each one is supposed to be like a year or six months or something like there's a certain time frame that each sort of quote unquote season covers, I think is what they said. I don't know if that's fully confirmed, but I remember that. And and directors, uh, each director is taking like a three episode arc and directing three episodes. Ah, Cool. And that's why it's it's 12 and 24. And that's why they sort of drop three. And that's why these first three uh, episodes very much have like an arc across yeah. the three episodes which is probably why they dropped them all at once to get you hooked yeah, and, yeah. i mean th- yeah. that that in itself is is enough of a reason mm-hmm. whether that was from day one or not who knows but i think that makes it was sense a good decision yeah yeah i think, yeah, it, I think it, so it, the show benefits oh, for it yeah, yeah so i think um there's a lot of world building there's a lot of um things that we're able to dig into in the first couple of episodes and then it all comes to a head in episode three which makes sense um as we were just sort of alluding to and uh, if you haven't watched the show yet, this will just be pretty much spoiler filled. So just a heads up there. Um, 
Before we do dig into that, though, brief overall thoughts. I thought this was great. I thought it feels good. It looks good. The acting so far is awesome. Great cast so far. And I want to see more of what goes next because that's always important. I think they did a good job there. But so far, I am really, really enjoying these first three episodes. Uh, Mike, what about you? Yeah, same. I'm on record saying that The Mandalorian is my favorite thing Star Wars since the original trilogy. And I've actually been a big fan of all the Disney Plus shows in some form or another. Not all of them are as good as The Mandalorian, but I do think I enjoy this era of Star Wars, the TV shows, more than I enjoyed any of the um, movie trilogies or standalone movies since the original trilogy. So Andor, to me, is right up there and even has the potential to be better than The Mandalorian because even though you guys know much about The Mandalorian, I still had problems with it, like the fact that it takes place on Tatooine and you know it's almost too tied too much to the original series and it's treading on a lot of the same stuff. So, so it's all over if Cassian goes to Tatooine. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Tatooine. It's Nail all in the coffin. It's all over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, so far, so good. So far, he's not even come close to a sand any planet with sand on it so so far so good i think it's, it's not I think even it's great. sand in his boots or it's, nothing he's yeah. all he's all clean even, no. even though it's an old even though it's a character we've seen before it still feels fresh it still feels new it feels like what we've been asking for a star mm-hmm. wars story in a corner of the galaxy that we haven't seen where there's no lightsabers and no jedi and just tell us something new tell us something fresh uh, and that's what it's doing and i think we were really pumped after we saw the trailer and uh, i think it's delivering and i think i think tony gilroy director has a lot and uh not director the creator of the show has a lot to do with it he's yeah he's a great creator so um yeah that's my thoughts i'm really enjoying the first really enjoyed the first three episodes at least always good uh, to hear the thoughts why don't you yeah ian why don't you dig into your anakin of this podcast because he he doesn't like sand is that right no i'm just kidding (laughs) Little joke from our Obi Wan uh, Patreon coverage there, but uh, no, I honestly, um, it's gonna sound like I think we're all kind of in the bag for the show already. It sounds like, but uh, this show really floored me because it really did feel as much as I love the Mandalorian. Like this felt like a departure from any sort of formula in the Star Wars galaxy that we were used to. Uh, we got three episodes and. Like, I think right off the first frame, you could kind of tell that this thing was going in a different direction, a little bit of a different tone. Not to say that there aren't dark tones throughout Star Wars. There are many tones. There's dark, there's humorous, there's goofy. There's (laughs) There's dark and there's light. (laughs) Yeah, you can get it all. But but I think like there is a contrast between this show and and, and it, it lines up with kind of what we got from Rogue One. Whether you dig Rogue One or not, it was definitely a different tone from like the Skywalker saga films and this kind of doubles down almost on the uh the dark and seedy nature of sort of the empire and the galaxy and and you feel the weight of the empire even in a series where in the first three episodes the empire is not really around but you can kind of feel the effect that the empire has on the galaxy overall and not just the empire any form of authority whether it's the republic or uh you know, this pre-more, pre-Oxmorlana corporation, which I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about as we get into it. I just wanted to mention up top because, uh, you know, covering this and whether you want to or not, you're going to find, you know, with a brand shiny new series, you're going to find some nasty discourse out there online. And I, I just thought I'd take a mention to take a moment to mention to our listeners, while we will be honest with our feelings about the show, like 
we are very much into Star Wars. We are obviously here doing episodes of Star Wars every other episode. We are here to talk about what we love. We'll we'll talk about what we don't like. But um, I don't know. I've just I've seen a lot of like weird gatekeeping going on in the Star Wars community, mm. uh, for better or for worse, and for on on both sides of things. And I just want everyone listening to know that we are just here to talk about what we love. And you know, we love having guests on when we're fortunate enough to have guests. But when even when we don't. We're going to give you, you know, our perspective and we're open to hearing all perspectives. And I would love for our listeners to chime in and let us know, you know, what are we getting right? What are we getting wrong? What do you love about it? What do you hate about it? But let's keep things civil is all I'd I'd, I'd really want to see from our our podcast community. I I think so. And and like there's even there's even little things like we've joked when we were talking about, I think when we were talking about Boba Fett. And probably when we've talked about Marvel movies and, and shows and stuff since then, where it's like there's perspectives on this that we also don't have, right? Like, what's it like to experience this from only watching a couple of Star Wars movies, from not growing up with it, from mm-hmm. not knowing who this character is necessarily, not really knowing all the small details that we know and and uh, and and find details that you would only know from growing up with this stuff or at least watching everything at least a couple of times throughout your life, like things like that are a different perspective and they should be taken in value just like everybody else's. And, you know, I, I wish I, in a way, I wish I, I didn't know much, right? Because I want to know, like, this story already seems to be a really cool and interesting basis for something. And I don't think so far, I mean, we'll get into it, of course, in a few seconds, but I don't think that this show at the moment needs to be like you don't need to have all this pre-knowledge about all of this, about all of the empire, about everything going into the show. So far, I think it could be an okay standing point or starting point for Star Wars in some ways. You know, it, it's not going to be for everybody, and I don't think that at you're least on a mature every- level, right? Like, it's yeah, pretty, exactly. Seems pretty yeah, mature. I think so. Yeah. So, anyways, that I, I, I just, I'm, I'm sure just jumping off your point a little bit too but it's just i i think that the show's done a good job of of uh so far in just the first couple of hours of of showing here that this can be a show that I'll, uh, people from all angles will actually be able to watch um it could change you never know but for now at least in the first couple hours it, it feels that way to me anyway so that's that's kind of fun too i like that yeah no that's a great point just because uh i do feel that it starts off in a very grounded nature like it you know it happens to take place in a galaxy far far away and we know we love star wars but you know it really could be any kind of sci-fi adventure from the jump and then more and more as you kind of sit with it yeah you get like the easter eggs and you get the references that you start to understand as a sure. bigger star wars fan but for the most part it's like it's mostly just it's it's really diving deep into the characters i found like even from yeah. a yeah. storytelling standpoint like it kind of veers away from what you would expect with like you know this grandiose sort of epic saga sprawling saga like it kind of sticks with the characters more and gets to know you know everyone on a local level on a ground level so i, I like that part so yeah, yeah i mean let's just dive in i guess because yeah we're... so you 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 said that it starts differently it looks different it feels a bit different the first you know i guess it's about 10 minutes or so 10 15 minutes of the series um, is I for me feels like all stuff that we haven't really seen before because Andor essentially walks into a planet I don't think we've also haven't seen before and essentially walks into a brothel 
Like that's that's new, I think. You know, we have the cantina and things like that, but that's different. You know, that's that's a bar. That's, you know, a sort of mob place, mob hangout type of idea sometimes and local low lifes kind of thing. But that's different than walking into what they're alluding to is is a brothel, right? I mean, that's that's the idea. Love to be a fly on the wall of that meeting when Lucasfilm brought that up to Disney, <laughs> the old mouse. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's an uh, it's interesting good. way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, Power, what do you think of the way it opened up and how it kind of leaned into the dark side of yeah, things? Yeah, it, it, it played more like a, a prestige drama, like an HBO drama, than any other Star Wars property, right? They didn't, they didn't throw you in there with like action and adventure it was all about you know just the way it was shot felt like one of those dramas like you really had to attention to what they're saying it's mm-hmm. looking for someone everyone's intense everyone's serious you could feel their stakes already and i do i love myself some good uh you know drama shows prestige like show dramas, dramas <laughs> prestige dramas prestige shows so yeah just it, it was perfect i thought it was great and um it's probably slower than most Star Wars fans or people that watch Star Wars are used to probably, mm. you know, more yeah. dialogue heavy. Uh, but I think that could be a good thing because it's something different. And yeah. you know, you're just you're just watching, you're just soaking it all in, you're just trying to figure out the world that they're in. And it, it but it's yeah, it was it was a good. Opening. Also, even trying to figure out, like you're saying, paying attention to what people are saying so far in these mm-hmm. first few episodes, at least the first two, especially to figure out everyone's personality and their relationships to each other. You know, they don't really hold your hand as to who everyone is. You really do have to sort of watch what's going on and listen to what they're saying. Even the smallest thing, like I, I, I watched the first episode a couple times. So I watched it on my own and then I, and then we started watching again because my, my wife wanted to watch all of them together too. And, uh, you know, I said out loud, I was thinking out loud, even the second time that I watched it because I hadn't watched the second or third episode after that, I was like, Oh, I wonder if he actually is looking for his sister because he says I'm looking for right. like easily based on the character that we know so far. Mm-hmm. If you're walking into the show knowing so far, he could just be, you know, that could just be a, a reason that he's giving or maybe it is his sister. We don't know anything about her. We don't know if he has a sister. You know, maybe there's maybe she's important and we don't know that or she has something and he lost her, you know, like all those types of things like that. That little stuff right there, those little plants of sort of picking up who he is and where he is at this moment is uh, is really cool too. It's, it doesn't seem like much, but it seems to be that little stuff like that, that first 20 minutes of the show uh, is a great way to get you hooked in, I think. Um, Absolutely. With some minor action. I guess you could say minor action. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think so. And it's a stark reminder of who Cassian Andor is, at least when we first get introduced to him in Rogue One. It's, it's sort of like, you know, it's very clear that he's a ruthless spy who's willing to do what it takes to kind of keep things quiet and get his job done. And you yeah. know, for the greater good, whatever that happens to be at the time, it seems like he's gone from fight to fight for his whole whole existence. But like his his importance is going to ramp up from the moment we meet him in this series right up until we leave off. You know, and when you meet Rogue him, One. you guys just watch Rogue One. Doesn't he, mm-hmm. doesn't he start in a very similar way where he kind of just like yes. executes yeah. someone in like the very first like few minutes. And it's like, and, Whoa. And they're kind of like reminding you like, Hey, this guy, like, yeah, this is star Wars, but this character that you're fo- following is, uh, lives in the gray. He's yeah. He's like a hero. He, in Rogue yeah. One, he is like, he, he, 
kills that guy at the beginning of Rogue One. I always felt that that I, I never really figured and the that guy out. Wasn't a bad guy, the guy he it's just ruthlessly murdering him, right? Essentially, like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's sat well blood. with people. Yeah. Like, I don't think people in general could really latch on to his character in Rogue One because they were like, "Well, this guy is kind of out for himself." But like, when you really take a a look back at the bigger picture, like he's just locked into what the, mm-hmm. he's like. He's like devoted to the cause. Yeah. And you know, it, and and I think even in this scene, more so than the one in Rogue One, he's doing what he what he uh, has to do to survive. Whereas yeah. in Rogue One, it's it's almost like a calculated move. Like, okay, this guy might be on our side, but he's wounded and he's he's gonna he's gonna talk. Like, he's yeah, gonna it be seems like he's broken. Yeah. So you know, and it was the same kind of thing when we meet up with these two. Uh, it's pre- it's more. Officers. I think what it's doing. I think what it's doing in Rogue One. Just sorry to continue trading. I think it's oh. sort of setting up the rebe- making the rebellion, which is very something very interesting that Tony Gilroy brought to Star Wars as not innocent in it all, and right. almost positioning them war. as as sort of like war. a terror, more of a terrorist organization than the heroes. And it's like to do that is very bold and very, and that's why I don't think it's. I don't think it sits totally well with me either, to be honest. Like. I know in real life, if you're taking down a tyrannical government, you probably have to go more on that Make side and be questionable just, calls. But, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But in my in my escapism fantasy right. worlds that are teaching me about good and evil, teaching kids about morals, I always prefer the good guys to be the more the Batman, the more Spider Man of like, no matter what, they never cross that line. Even in reality, people have to cross that line. Probably. Yeah. In the in my fiction, I prefer it not to go there because I. Just think it's something that we, so this would be aspirational. This should be what yeah. you aspire to. And so it didn't sit well with me, him. And I always thought that was weird about his character. And I'm not actually a fan of the whole movie, Rogue One, if you couldn't yeah. tell. And so that's just one one example of why the movie didn't like sit with me. But, anyways, I, I, I like the Andor series better so far. Anyways, I think it's more, they did a better job of setting these guys that he kills in the first series up as more of a self-defense kind of thing than, than yeah, just like he, a ruthless, he's definitely like, more reluctant. <laughs> he's surprised that the other guy, you know, dies and he yeah. sort of seems like he's a bit freaked out and stuff and this just yeah. sort of it just it just starts all the events for the net for the next couple of episodes right like this is really an intense starting off point is really what it is right yeah. and i i think it is alluding to rogue one i think that is kind of what they're what they're trying to do which is totally okay you know yeah. that's fine dark alley and uh you know trying to get information and he sort of jumped Remind, I do. reminding you who the character is right this is the character yeah. you're spending time with you this he's a murderer exactly. he's yeah. he's not like your typical hero and he my, my favorite part so. of this whole episode is what starts this confront confrontation in the alley is the shot that they have of just his face and then you hear voices mm-hmm. in the background yeah. and it's just a single shot on his face sort of reacting to the fact that there's we don't know who's coming after him you just assume it's the guys from the bar but, you know, just slowly you sort of see the faded sort of shadows or whatever focus in the back get a little bit closer and they're sort of chirping him a little bit. And you sort of see his face turn a little and you can really see him getting into a certain mode and trying to figure out what he's supposed to do to get out of the situation. And I really like how, you know, they're not behind uh, the two guys shoulders, for example. They don't switch the perspective. You are right. focused on him. It's a super close up. Like, you know, I don't even know if you if you can see his shoulders in that shot, really thinking at it like it's so close. And that decision just puts you in his shoes as much as they could possibly do without actually giving you his shoes. Like, I I just I think I thought that that part 
um, really ramped up the intensity. And I think that made a big difference for that confrontation and, uh, and helped what happens uh, moving forward, especially just even in this just one episode. Yeah, it's a good point. And it's a pivotal scene because it does establish the tone for the series overall of what we've gotten at, at least in these first three episodes. But also, I think it showcases Tony Gilroy's vision for this thing because he mm-hmm. did step in and kind of save Rogue One from being a total disaster. He kind of took over for Gareth Edwards and kind of uh, finished it off his way. He also had a hand in writing it and he's writing this entire and or series. So I think he's very locked in to this vision and he's he's committed to taking these characters and taking casting and or from a place of five years before the Battle of Avon. So five years prior to Star Wars, five years prior to Rogue One, like over the course of these two seasons, like we said, probably 24 episodes that mm-hmm. will bring us right up until the probably the start of Rogue One. And yeah. we're going to have a much deeper appreciation for at least this character and and everything else that's going on. But uh, it starts us off on Morlana 1, which is a planet among a Morlani system. And it seems to be a mining system. It seems to be like, a, you know, like the industrial, uh, really. Yeah, industrial, but also yeah. like the entire system is kind of controlled by a corporation, Preox yeah. Morlana, which is interesting because we're so used to just having like an empire or a first order to deal with. Like in this case, they are having to deal with the weight of the empire like they have to report to the empire in a way but they they have a little bit of autonomy of how they kind of yeah, run their own like, system yeah so like so there's a lot that a lot that happens with with this storyline i guess in all of these all three episodes really but to me it seems like they are potentially like a third party like private company almost that the empire is hiring in order to sort of expand their grasp i guess Um, But you can tell that obviously some characters are more devoted to the quote unquote cause than others. And others are just treating this like another job. You know, the guy's boss, I I don't recall his name, uh, is great. I love (laughs) I love his uh, his presence, his uh, his acting and his attitude and stuff. Chief Hines. Chief Hines. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. He's I just I love his um, his demeanor and all that, you know, and 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 sort of the small things. This is what I kind of like about this and why I thought, Mike, you would probably appreciate little things like this in this is that in the show is that you know i think all three of us are kind of looking for again we're going to say this again for a lot of star wars stuff go outside of the skywalker saga get outside of this sort of thing but at least this show presumably going forward but especially in these few episodes it's not about a ton of the other stuff you know it really is showing you all the fine smaller things that are also going on and this is an example of that because it shows you how some people will likely, I, I assume anyway, maybe be more empire focused and others like this guy's boss, for example, is just going to work. You know, he's just mm-hmm. saying, like, the less I tell the bosses, the better. That's yeah. pretty much his message at the end of the day. Right. And like, that's not something we've gotten before. That's not something we've heard before. It's always like, I'm the empire. I'm bad. We're going mm-hmm. to take over this planet. We're going to kill these people. We're going to whatever it is and 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 occupy. And that's it. But like. That's not what this guy's mindset is. And neither are some of the other people that we've run into in the next couple of episodes. Right. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you if you noticed little things like that, Mike, in these three episodes. But those mm-hmm. types of things make me feel like we're in the same time timeline, but we're experiencing something different, which is mm-hmm. great so far. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, like, on the contrary, the 
Deputy Inspector Cyril Karn. He is such an interesting character because he seems very much like a company man. Yeah. But at the same time, like the I think what I've gathered from the intense like character study that these three episodes have been for everybody involved, no one character to me has been one note to the point of like a mustache twirling villain or mm-hmm. you know, the even like the jealous boyfriend was not like oh, he's evil. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you you hate him. Like, you love to hate him. But, like, at the same time, like, there's a bit of nuance to, like, every single one of these characters. So much so that this guy, Cyril, he's, like, a hardcore company man. But I really have no idea what they have in store for this guy. Like, is he going to lean hard into that now after what the events of the first three? Or is is it somewhere where, like, he, his, his mind or his devotion is in the right, but it's just not aimed in the right direction like maybe is he someone that could be a sympathetic character down the line or something like that are we gonna see him getting shaped even further and further down the dark path yeah see i think he is going to be mr empire i think he's there to be the stand-in for the empire and you know maybe they might turn that on its head a little bit i don't know to me it feels a little bit obvious but that's okay too like i don't mind that they sort of have someone like that that's totally fine but it certainly seems like his sergeant is like Mr. Empire. Like it seems like Caustic is like definitely an Empire guy. Like he would join in an instant if they recruited him. And and the thing is, like with Cyril, it's like he's not super confident. So I kind of yeah. like the idea <laughs> that like that. <laughs> Yeah, like I like the idea that like, okay, yeah, we kind of we know which way he's leaning and we could see him going down this way, but like there could be some surprises in store for his character. And we don't even know, we don't even know if there's gonna be a departure from like this three episode arc. Like if we're even like, if they're even going to go too heavy with him or anything, Mm. like, you know, they're going to go with someone else in the next, you know, three mm. to six episodes. Yeah. Like maybe they're going to, they could leave all this behind and go like somewhere else. Um, not having seen like neither, none of us have seen the fourth episode. I know that like, uh media was given like certain media people were given like four episodes so they know mm-hmm. that like after three episodes it's like something crazy happens in episode four we don't know yeah, any of that yeah. but i'm just saying like it did seem like this was a three episode arc and we're about to go somewhere else yeah i yeah, think that's absolutely. right yeah, I, that's I exactly how they set that. it up yeah and that's totally fine um I do like uh, also uh, his sort of relationships. Um, well, hold on, before home. we finish talking about the um, yeah. evil cop, I just w- wanted to agree with Ian and say, um, yeah, the guy who's like obsessed with finding him and stuff like that. You're right; he's not mustache twirly like a lot. Like, who's the guy uh, Donald Gleason in the new trilogy? Oh um, yeah, yeah, General Hux. Hux, like that is a yeah. terrible. What a waste character! character. Right? What if a waste! Character. Character. I love him, man. I think I he's. I find him. I find I mean, him. If somewhat you like of a cartoon characters in your yeah. uh, live action I, TV shows, then I guess he's so, fine. But I don't mind. Yeah, this so I didn't though, mind him. I didn't yeah. mind Hux, like Dave yeah. was saying. I didn't mind Hux, but I think he was completely wasted in Rise of Skywalker. I just think, like, oh, that's true. He didn't, that's he didn't true. really have like a three movie arc the way that's a lot true. Of the but, other but you could say that about a lot of things. Yes, you could, <laughs> especially that movie. So uh, this wasn't supposed to be a referendum on, on Hux. I just meant this cop, this other, this guy in the, in this movie. You could actually put yourself in his shoes, and you could actually see where he's coming from. Two, like even though he works for like the police or whatever, like two of his colleagues were murdered and killed, and his boss wants to sweep it under the rug. And just think, if you were put in that situation, you didn't know 
what happened. You didn't know who Andor is. You didn't know the context. And all you know is two of your colleagues were murdered and your boss was to sweep it under the rug or something happened and your boss was, you'd be like, you'd, you'd think what you were doing was right and just, right? And that's how they kind of paint him. And you can kind of see it. And we don't cheer yeah. for him because we don't cheer for him because he's not the hero and or is the hero. But you could very much, very well have an entire series, entire movie where that character is the hero of the story, where his 100%. bosses are trying to bury something and he's trying to do the right thing. And so you have those two. And then we are, you know, Andor is kind of a bit ruthless as a killer. So it's it's very interesting. that It's not um, black and white. And I like that yeah. about the series a lot. I agree. And, uh, you know, to Dave's point, because it sounds like you were digging Chief Hines, like it's funny because he actually nailed a lot of what he was saying. It's just about how he went up going about it, because because he came off like he just wanted to sweep it under the rug. Well, and he was I'm not on his side. I think they do things to show he's sort of incompetent. He's sort of he's sort no, of no, 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 but 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 my point, my I point like the that characterization like, that it's that's more complex than just a one note villain. That's what I like, right? My point is that Heinz was framing it like, okay, we have to cover this up. Yes. Even though a lot of what Heinz yeah. was saying was actually he nailed it on the head, like uh, kind of the situation. Oh, as yeah, like he, like he called it. Yeah. He called it exactly how it went down, but because of the way um, Karn was, uh, Cyril was absorbing mm-hmm. it, he's like, oh, this guy's like. Yeah, know, he's just trying to the rug. What's he doing? He's not yeah. truthful. He's not a mm-hmm. he's not a true company man. Like you know, even though like Heinz's objective is actually to keep the company afloat and yeah. to like yeah, because he was like they were in a shady part of town. They probably got to they probably did something to deserve it. And it's like oh yeah, we did see what happened, and that is what happened. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just the way he went about it. And it's like, <laughs> they were in a place oh, yeah, you're not supposed to be on. They were probably on the job. Like all yeah. those things. Just like yeah, this guy gets it. <laughs> probably because he's done it himself. You know, <laughs> like, right? Yeah. So he definitely before. spoke about it like he had been there before. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he knows exactly where they are, who they yeah. talk to, what they ordered like (laughs) which is fine i like that i like that sort of uh that sort of thing but um yeah anyways i was saying that uh i do appreciate all these small little hints of uh of back home that he's whether it's his relationships or whether it's the small things like you know i guess they're all they're all breaking down old ships and parts and things like that and instead of going into a mine and hanging your boots or your jacket that is common uh, over decades and decades of people going into coal mines and everything. They're hanging their gloves and like those little things like that is actually a real life thing that people did. And instead they're doing their gloves because I guess they're working with metal or whatever the reason is that they use gloves instead of something else. But it's just like those little types of things I appreciated uh, quite a bit. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but on the wall, there's all these, you know, it looks like there's like 50 gloves lined up in like four or five mm-hmm. different rows. There's one pair of gloves that are missing. And of course, those are most likely Andor's because his friend mm-hmm. says you need his to friend, get back to work. Yeah, his right? friend Brasso mm-hmm. is like, yeah, Brasso, you got to yeah. kind of pull up your boots. Brasso, kind of yeah, exactly. Put on <laughs> your gloves, says, so to speak. Your, <laughs> pull up your gloves. Yeah. <laughs> Tighten your gloves, buddy. Like things like that. So I, 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 those are the things that I took away the most from the first couple of episodes, at least. Um, I was really looking for the sum. For something different, the world building, and right? It makes the world it feel building lived in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They really want to put you in this community, and they really want you to not just care about what Andor's sort of purpose is and sort of what happens to him, especially in the third episode. But I think those small things really make you care more about what's going on in the rebellion and what really is pretty close to the beginning of it. I would say, or at least in this pocket of the universe, anyway. So, yeah. 
And speaking of world building, I actually really like the set design of Ferrix. I think like mm-hmm. this is a yeah. kind of a unique place where they described it as like the free trade sector, and it seems like mm-hmm. these people have their own code and they kind of operate yes, uh, independent which we get in the third of episode. Ferox, I love that. Morlana, yeah. right? So yeah. like they they kind of and you know they don't really want like you know authority present on Ferrix because they do things a little differently, and everything about that like you know the introduction of B. Uh, B2 EMO uh, kind of strolling through the streets and then the dogs running through him. This <laughs> yeah. is on him like he's a <laughs> fire hydrant. So, can, so fire hydrant, yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty jokes. But then, uh, uh, like, it's Cassian. He has to immediately kind of deal with the situation he's put himself in or, you know, through his choices. Like, he's now kind of pushed to the limits and has to go around to all his, you know, rectify all of his little relationships to try and figure a way off of this planet because yeah he knows that preox merlana is coming for him right so yeah so yeah it's just like it was interesting to see his little reaction uh interactions with uh his friend bix who obviously has a relationship with this guy tim and he's not really digging the sort of sorted past that she has with uh with cassian you have all these different relationships whether it's his buddy brasso um you know we're introduced to the woman he lives with which is um Marva. Uh, so I think like there's plenty of Mulva. Mulva. <laughs> um, Dolores. Anyway, plenty of plenty of stuff to kind of dig into here, especially over th- across three episodes. I know they're a little on the the shorter side, but I think it kind of moves at a like like power. It, it like it's, I, it's I think slower it, pace, it but works. it kind of works for the length of time. Yeah as well like you feel like you've had a full meal after each yeah i I will say the only (laughs) you mentioned uh mentioned the i would presumably is like an ex-girlfriend or something her new guy which is like a co-worker or boss or whatever it might be co-owner of the shop i don't know um the fact that his name is just tim tim (laughs) is just feel i it's star wars it just feels strange you know what i mean like he's just tim you know, mm, with two m's yeah. so it's tim mm. they had to go and make this guy scottish man i hated that snake oh man it was he was he was the worst but at the same time like i said like it could have been that one note like all right off the rip like you're you know you're trash and like very predictable and and though no, but there, even him even him i will say you could almost see where he's coming from because the pro- they make everyone almost slightly redeemable and you put themselves in their shoes and you kind of see where they're coming from because she's lying to him, right? So yeah. his girlfriend's lying to him. Yeah. And if she was if she was told him the truth, he wouldn't have seen her, like followed her and seen her there and thought she was cheating on him or whatever, right? And then he did his petty little payback, which, you know, that, that's why we don't like him. But it's still, <laughs> it's still, he still is not the worst. Yeah. No, so, I, you're right. You're absolutely him. right. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other major component of the series, it seems to be a through line, at least in these first three episodes, are these great flashback sequences uh, to uh, the first episode. Uh, they didn't have titles when I first watched these three episodes, but first episode's titled Casa. So I think that's a very fitting title because we get to know mm-hmm. Cassie Nandor in a way we never got to know in Rogue no. One. Like we got to see exactly where he grew up on a planet called Canari. We know he has a sister. And so that's why I think when you're watching again and you see he's looking for his sister, I think there's some validity to that. We don't oh, know yeah, how. Yeah. Now there is for sure. But at the yeah. time I'm sitting there going, mm-hmm. I don't know. He could just be, you know, trying to get himself into mm-hmm. 
trying to find something else out. Yeah. Like, I think you don't, you don't take the risk to go into that brothel and deal with those (laughs) officers and everything. If you're not, if you don't have like a mission. Yeah, Um, exactly. So, so I think like, we don't know exactly when they reconnect after they split up, you Mm -hmm. know, he, I think he was like six years old because he mentioned in Rogue One, he's been in the fight since he was six. So like he's got see, this little yeah, sister. Yeah, he seems like he's maybe maybe ten or nine or something. But six could be his. Yeah, and yeah. and and there Either are little way, clues. Yeah. There are little clues. Like I love the way that story unfolded because we don't know exactly what's going on. We don't even know who their enemies are. We're kind of seeing it from their perspective, as these right. local uh, people of Canary that don't have any means of space travel aren't exposed to like any like super advanced technology or anything. They're just kind of like living off the land and. And then they see this ship crash and they discover that their planet's kind of being taken over and used for a mining, a uh, big mining site. So I think well, like so, okay, the way so that that's, kind of developed over the three grab. episodes was really captivating too. Yeah, that's something I want to actually mm-hmm. touch on uh, for all three of us is that like, so I don't know that to me, it's an, it's an abandoned uh, mining colony or planet or area, whatever it is. Are these kids left here because their parents were taken or died in a in a mining disaster are they part of an indigenous uh you know community or whatever Mm -hmm. it might Mm -hmm. be called and they were always there and now they're dealing with what's going on like that's i don't know if we're going to get those answers but i find just those questions alone already more interesting than we've gotten in other things so i think that that alone is pretty cool. And I was, I get this from, from, uh, from, uh, you know, reading other things, but, and, and listening to another podcast about the show, but, um, now we have a reason for, uh, Andor's, uh, very particular accent is because he didn't speak English or didn't speak, uh, what do they call it in start? Is it, is it basic? Basic basic is English, right? So like, you know, he never, he didn't speak, even though he's human, pretty much every human speaks basic speaks english in star wars and he does too but he didn't start that way which i find also very interesting um so anyone with an accent you don't you know you just oh yeah the guy's scottish like like you mentioned ian like the guy's scottish or the guy's british or whatever why do they have accents i don't know that's just the way people talk now we have a reason for something so small and insignificant really it shouldn't matter you don't need to have an explanation for that but now we kind of do and i think that that alone is is those two things alone, I think, already bring more depth to the character and and to what's going on, um, and how we're going to sort of find out who he is or where how he got where he where he is now. Yeah, yeah. I, I they did give they gave us a little bit of information about his planet. Like, oh, it's I think they said it's uninhabitable because of a mining accident or something. Mm-hmm. But then. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's all we're going to get or if we're going to get a lot more. Because you did see them living there as children. So, like, clearly there are people living there. So it's not totally uninhabitable, but I'm pretty sure they said something like that. Or, so they, or they just I just wonder if that's as all that, we're going to get. Or... People away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Was really, but I wonder uh, if we're going to get more or if that's all we're going to get. That's what I wonder. I, like, I was it, really digging the duality that. of, like, seeing how he started out. And how he got mm-hmm. off his home planet and all that. And then, like, mm-hmm. like seeing that and then flash forward it's like it's it's interchanging nicely between how did he go from just like this ruthless spy to like someone more like bigger than that someone important to the rebellion of it all and like it's kind of in tandem and they're playing off each other nicely in a way that you can kind of understand him 
uh, the more it kind of jumps back and forth. So I really hope they kind of keep that up. Even if it, even if the flashbacks jump forward into his life a bit more, I, I hope that it's a bigger through line throughout the series rather than just kind of mm-hmm. these first three episodes. Um, I did think that, you know, by the end of the first episode here, Cassian has been put in hot water because, you know, he's like, it was enough that they kind of knew that he was asking about a girl from Canary. So they, they kind of had that lead, mm-hmm. but then Tim, you know, throwing him under the bus and knowing mm-hmm. that he's from Canary kind of sealed his fate and pushed, pushed this kind of yeah. forward into, you know, into high gear. So the, the second episode is a lot more of like diving into those relationships more. Uh, we get a little bit more of the, the flashbacks. We see what, what, where they go from seeing that ship crash to, getting a you know a group of warrior kids together to go and investigate and go on a search party this is where he discovers that big mining site that's happened on his planet so it, there's a lot of like adventure in the second one and it kind of kind of sets the pieces for the the major conflict in uh, episode three but let's talk a little bit about what you've liked and didn't like or or didn't like about episode two um, a lot of what you said, you know, I, I, I'm having a hard time totally distinguishing the two, but, um, I can like, tell you this one was called my mind. that would be me. I don't know if that helps. <laughs> no, no, but the, the, just, just, yeah, I liked seeing the flashbacks on his planet. And like you said, it's where he started versus, um, it's, it's, it's the start of his journey to what's the Fenrix, the planet. Ferrix, it's the start. It's like how he got to Ferrix, and then we're ending with how he gets off of Ferrix. And that, I, so I, I like that. It was, it was a cool idea to flashback between him as a child, and they didn't um, like explain it to you. You know, you had to like they called him Casa and all that. It wasn't spoon fed. They didn't subtitle it when they were speaking their language. So all that stuff just adds to show, adds to the to the prestigeness of the drama. So. Um, particulars of that episode um you know i think i already talked about i think that's the one where tim rats him out yeah i think i yeah. talked about tim and then uh, uh what's his face the, uh sarsgaard shows up right he does his arrival which mm-hmm. i thought was really well done spies saboteurs assassins we've all done terrible things on behalf of the rebellion cassian ander no matter what you tell me or tell yourself, you'll ultimately die fighting these bastards. Wouldn't you rather give it all at once to something real? You don't quite know who he is necessarily. I think you might suspect who he might be, but like his introduction is kind of cool. He's kind of on this like taxi that takes him to the town, to the city. And, um, you know, he's very much like, all right, I'm here to do my business. I know what I need. I know what I'm going for. I know where I need to be. And this guy's basically just like, hey, buddy, what's what's going on? Man? Oh, yeah. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. Like things like that. And he's very like straight face and 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 to the point sort of thing. And um, I like that, too. I, I like his Sarsgaard's character. Um, hey, is he was he in Rogue One? Sarsgaard? One? No. Yeah. No. Oh, he wasn't. He's a new character. Okay. I, yeah. I, I thought we'd seen him before, but yeah. Uh, yeah. you guys watched him recently. Okay. Well, he's, cool. um, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's in Disney's, uh, uh, checkbook, right? He was in the <laughs> Avengers. He's, uh, yeah. 
It's yeah. the first thing I said when I saw him. I go, oh, it's him. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's yeah. great. He's always he's always a great actor. So yeah, but he's good. So. Yeah, he's he's always yeah. cool. So um, yeah, I think I think episode two was kind of cool. It was a good sort of like middle point, but then you know, really, I think really this all sort of formulates. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no doubt. But I think that the events of episode three, like when everything pops off, I'm actually super invested by that point. And I I think like a lot of the groundwork was done in episode two because he's, he's going around, you know, we get to spend a little bit more time with each of the kind of members of his little found family on, on Ferrix. He's, he, you know, he has that kind of discussion with Marva where uh, B is like telling him of the message and and then like oh accusing him of like how you know how could you let this information out and you know you have all these girlfriends why are you telling everyone that you're from canary like he's like i don't don't know how to keep track and all this stuff like all that stuff (laughs) it's like everything every interaction he has with all these like there's so many characters in the show it's like i'm getting a lot more from the show than i expected to um and and you know he's talking to bix and she's making good on her, you know, setting up the arrangement with the buyer, which is uh, Luthien, like uh, selling Skarsgård's character. Like, just it takes him a while to get there. Like, they don't have the meeting until episode three. And if anyone was watching sort of the sneak peek of Andor, I think a lot of us were kind of waiting for that moment. But everything we got leading up to that, I think, like, helped make that moment actually work in a lot of ways. Yeah, you're right. actually get to meet up and we see what this deal goes down. And I want to hear more about what you guys thought about that and, like, where you thought it was headed and, like, were you surprised? Were, you sub- were your expectations subverted at all by that? Um, because they kind of went a different way. They were, like, setting it up one way and then they kind of pivoted by the end of it. Um, any more thoughts on episode two before we start talking about uh, episode three, The Reckoning? No, I think I think we can move on Ooh. to three. Is, is it two or three where we see him in the flashback, sort of smashing things up in the ship? So, so in the flashback in episode two, not only does he find the mining site, but when he reconnects with like the the search party finds the crash site. Yeah, uh, that was interesting because the leader, quote unquote, leader of the party, um, goes it's to shot. investigate, gets yeah. shot, and then they yeah. they use their arrows to kind of fight back take out the officer but um it's not until the reckoning where we start seeing him smashing up but it's okay, not was, yeah I don't okay think, i could be wrong but i don't think it's the ship i think he actually goes back to the mining site to figure out what's going on and he's like investigating further so i think he's he's smashing up like mining equipment and stuff it's it's like, something like that but my, the reason why i asked that too is because it's not totally clear where he has where he got that m that empire equipment from like what i can't remember what it's called um what he's trying to trade for basically okay okay it seems like he like everything that he's smashing up is like that sort of older retro-ish style from the original trilogy empire look right you know it it almost looks like almost looks like the computer on on vader's chest that kind of looks like what he's trying to trade right the star path unit that he's trying to sell yeah, yeah exactly that, look, so that looks, looks like vader like... actually mentioned that in my article it looks like vader's chest <laughs> yes i remember i remember yeah yeah because yeah, i read that the other day too after i watched and uh it looks just like that which i think is you know that's what they're trying to sort of allude to the fact that it's it's from the empire whether he says it or not but i wasn't clear if that like when he got that piece but it doesn't look like he got it when he was 
taken, right? Because he didn't have the choice to take anything with him. He was sort of right. knocked out and then they sort of rescued him and stuff like that. Yeah, right? I have a feeling so, it's something more recent, but it's an interesting point. And it's an interesting yeah. point that you mentioned Empire because we find out in episode three, that's actually a Republic ship that crashed. And that's oh, a yeah, Republic, that's right. that's a that's Republic right. frigate that was on the way, that would, which is why they had to extract him. Right, like, and you can kind of see it in the, the sky before it crashes. Did. It looks a little bit like that, right? Um, yeah, so I think yeah. that dynamic of that, it's like a bit of a twist. Like your expectations are that, okay, we're fighting the Empire, but we're, we're, we are flashing back to an earlier time when the Empire didn't exist. So it's interesting that, you know, it's not this universal idea that the Republic was good. Like, like any, you know, massive governing body, like there's going to be an another's perspective to that whole thing and there that's why there's a whole separatist movement there's a whole separatist army that was opposing the republic in those times that kind of palpatine was you know puppeteering both sides but there there was definitely like some resistance to the republic and you can see why when you see the perspective of a planet that had nothing to do with the republic having to deal with kind of these invaders you know these colonists so to speak and like having to deal with that and I thought that was an interesting reveal. Like, oh yeah, it is Republic. That makes sense, given the time that they're in. But also, this mention of uh, when we're back in the present, and I think it was in episode two when uh, Cyril and the Sergeant Caustic are like getting to know one another, and they're like trying to plan this investigation on Ferrix when they're talking about the the disaster on Canari. Um, I don't think it's the one that I don't think it's something that happened leading up to Marva picking up Cassian. I, I want to think that it's something that happened after when the after Empire left over, like there mm. must be more to that story. Like maybe they had to go back to Canary to like uh, liberate well, there, it. Or something. There's like a 15, 20 year time frame probably that, yeah. that, could that anything like that could have happened right so that or mm. you know that's one of the reasons why he's looking for his sister because he heard that something happened on canari you know like it's it's stuff like that right so i think that that that's a good point actually never i didn't really think further past that but that could very well be the case yeah for sure yeah. and we could find out about that in the flashbacks that could be the reasons why we're going back in those flashbacks continually is for something like that yeah yeah so it's funny because i think when i first watched rogue one there's a bit of pacing issues. I think there's just issues with the production overall with that movie. I really like Rogue One, but uh, yeah, there was too. a Watching lot of it jump- again. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And like when you, when I first watched it, like, okay, there is a lot of jumping around from planet to planet. Not that that's foreign to Star Wars, like Star Wars loves its locations, but there's like jumping around and there's a bit of timeline play when the, with the flashbacks at the beginning. So that's all like new to Star Wars, but I think the way it's done here is actually really consistent. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it's just a better representation of that. Like I, I like the fact that they're using flashbacks to their advantage um, and they're doing it in this kind of unique way. And in this episode, I think this sealed the deal for me of like, it's the strongest start. I think Andor has the strongest start of any live action Star Wars series. Uh, mm. And that's saying a lot because you guys know, I love the Mandalorian. It's well, like first, first Mando episode. Yeah. <laughs> and like the first Mando episode is, a, is amazing, but you know, from episode to episode, week to week, there is a bit of a formula to it. And I feel like there's less of that with this. So it'll be interesting to see how it shifts now that we've seen mm-hmm. three episodes. Uh, we should talk about the major action set piece 
the kind of deal that went down between Luthen and uh, yeah. Cassian, and then like kind of where we think this left us off. Like, yeah, I do. We before we get to that that part, because that part is obviously where everything sort of comes to a head. Is I do one of the other things is again, it's world building. That's why I think this show is working the most for me at the moment. Is where everyone starts hitting you know, whether it's a tin can or whatever, you know, all that type of stuff. You're trying to figure out what's going on. Just like, just like the, you know, the officers that show up they're they're wondering what's going on. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're a mute. Hold on. You're, you're muted. Hang on. Oh yeah. No, just like that guy who rings the gong every day. Uh, yeah. You know, he has the best he job in the world. Oh, so seriously too. I was hilarious, but I was like in a world where they have space travel. This does not need to be done manually. Like yeah. <laughs> a lot of like, church bells been able to be rung like automatically in our world, but just like you have machines to do that. Like why is some guy climbing in that tower every morning and banging? <laughs> banging a drum? He likes like, his job. Okay. All right. He just yeah, I thought it fit. Later. I thought no, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous because it's there's human error. And if you want something to be on the hour every hour, it's like you just automate that with this technology. Anyways, it's, it, it was hacked, done for the visual. Man. No, he's hacked. a human rooster, okay? He's uh, a human rooster. No, but, ser- but seriously, it kind of fit with the vibe of Fair because I think it helped with the I world think it building. Did. It's like yeah, a it's very so blue fits. collar planet. Like it's mm-hmm. very yeah. like. Yeah, I thought that's it, what I they're thought going nice for. Switch. That's that's exactly what they're going for, and that's totally yeah. fair. I mean, Mike, you're not you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I, Mike, yeah, but, it's, but yeah, I, I get I get it. I, I but still... I, I think it also hammers home Dave's point about the rattling of the steel because <laughs> it it kind of like it sets that up nicely, right? Because when they start yeah. doing that, you're like, okay, this is a thing here. Like this is yeah, what we exactly. Do. So they they do all that, and then I love how when the officers are in the house. They're just like what you know, like what does all that mean? And she just says, "Marva, it stops that it's a problem, or it's when it stops that you have to worry." And you're just and you're just waiting for it to stop. I love, I love that because it's really at a certain point they do because it goes on for so long and they don't really address it right until that guy says something that you almost tend to ignore it right. And then once they tell you that when it stops, something's going to happen, that's what you're now waiting for. And then it goes on for another couple of minutes. And then maybe some people might forget about it. Some people might not. But then the second that it stops, they do such a good job of sort of putting you on the edge of your seat of wondering what's what's going to happen next. And I just, I love, I absolutely love that tactic. And like you said before, Ian, they, they don't want to be looked over. They don't want to be ruled. They don't want to be controlled. They're all, they're operating in their own way on in this in this town in this city, and that's a perfect example. Everyone knows what to do once someone starts hitting their steel, hitting their metal, or whatever, and everyone just gets into a mode, and yeah. it, and it just works. I just I absolutely love that part of it. It's amazing. No, it's a great point because I love that scene with Marva too because the steel is a very like, you know, it's an obvious. Um, attempt at like psychological warfare like the troops are marching through the city and this is yep. like their way of getting in their head but marva using her words with it only takes one of those guys to question her like wait what do you mean for her to have like for her mission is accomplished like she already got inside the guy's head right it's like she's already kind of messing with him and the fact that um uh, you know that he's like oh like he's he's actually curious what happens when it stops i mean she's already kind of 
done her job at that point. Um, but yeah, everything kind of comes to a head. Like you said, everything leads to this great action sequence. We get a, a meeting between two major characters who I can only assume are going to be integral. Their, their relationship is going to be important, you know, throughout this series. Uh, so, I mean, we get a guy who's taking a big chance because he thinks he knows the type of guy and or is Luthen comes all the way to Ferrix for this meeting. It's not so much for the, uh, you know, star path unit. That's like this really rare piece that can like really turn the tide, which I actually want to take a second to talk about because I think that was another cool piece of writing where, you know, in most adventure storytelling, like this is a clear MacGuffin that's driving the plot. Like we have a piece, he's going to sell it and it's going to become an important piece. Now, whether this is Star Wars, so they could announce the box tomorrow, the series about what happens. (laughs) But I think for the purpose of this story, it was really just kind of like, yeah, it did its job, but it wasn't the important. Like they are really focusing on the characters and what they mean, like having met each other. And now it's more important that they, that he decides to go with Luthen, that this kind of, the box is just like, on a side now, like, like it was made to become this, to seem like this really important thing. But at the end of the day, it, it was, and it's now like an afterthought. Like, I'm not really like wondering. It's not the, it's not the reason for going forward. It's not the reason for the show. It was just to get you to this meeting really. And that, and that's about it. So I, I, that's a good point. I never thought of it that way, but you're, you're absolutely right. I think that, um, you know, they could have used it as the crux for the next, 10 out of the 12 episodes or something. You know what I mean? Like it really until the finale, like that kind of thing, but they've, they've done a good job. That, that piece has, uh, has played its part, you know, and now it's time to move on from there. And now now it's supposed to get plugged into Vader's chest for the next. Yeah. Now now it's going to be, yeah, (laughs) it's going to find its way to Tatooine. And then we're going to have a series just about where that, where that electrical box goes. Yeah. And then Mike will hate it because it's on Tatooine. (laughs) Yeah. Then the show, yeah, no longer be my favorite show. (laughs) (laughs) This is gonna be like one of those side episodes where it's just like, what happened to the to the old uh, electrical box? box? Yeah. (laughs) Can't wait for that. I thought this uh, this scene was really cool. I like the way it's set up. Um, I don't know why you have to have a whole bunch of engines and engine parts hanging on at different uh, heights from chains uh in the same old rickety building but you know what it looked cool and uh it helped it's the a great scene. piece for an action scene yeah exactly it's, it's just, I love it's it. because it's because they knew Looks at cool. some point there was going to be a shootout they just had yeah. to do it that way yeah, yeah. <laughs> i thought the that action cool. sequence was very well choreographed i, I liked how mm. it popped off i liked that casting kind of still tried to risk his life for the box and at the end of the day it was yep. just like it was too impossible so uh, just everything from that shootout to the sort of chase that unfolds in the streets but like the, the kind of the ruse that they pulled with the speeder and then, uh, you know, even the guy who like tries to get away to inform the rest of the corporation, like he basically takes off. But no, it's a tight knit community here on Ferrix. Someone has rigged a piece to his ship and just like completely mangles him and he crashes. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. He yeah. just like just zooms around you think that adds like, to why people the bang of the steel it was like to warn people like cops are here exactly. go do your thing sabotage their everything you can everyone and, plays their yeah. part right yeah, yeah exactly yeah. that's that was that's awesome right um mm-hmm. we don't have uh tim with three t's two i's and uh, four <laughs> m's anymore so he's 
he's out of the picture. It's it's yeah, he gets killed, eh? Pretty yeah, good. Yeah, he, he just like runs. Gets at what he deserves, I guess. Guns. But yeah, that's yeah. the comeuppance. Yeah. yeah, I mean he he brings he brings a spoon to a knife fight sort of thing. Like that's kind of like <laughs> what happens. Like he just runs. He's like, no, stop! And then he runs yeah. anyway. Like, well, buddy, like. You know, they tried to make redeem him a little bit and make it like, oh, she's hurt. He's he's going to, you know, he's standing it's up okay. for her. But it's like, yeah, you just got yourself shot. It's actually, fine. It, it, again, just just like uh, just like the um, just like the part that got crushed in the action scene. He played his part. Yeah. And, yeah. And okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, yeah. And then uh, and then the, the sort of diversion with the uh, exploding uh, vehicle and the speeder, I think, was really cool, too. Um yeah, they, they're, they're all they very surprised them. by it. Yeah, <laughs> but it also seemed to have a deep impact on our boy Cyril Karn, who just like yes, he he's he's, rattled man. This is the moment where he's like, you know, he in effect like his decision to get the sergeant in and everyone on onto Ferrix, that was all him, and that was very mm-hmm. much against like what Chief Hines was telling him to do. Yeah, so that's the whole thing gonna, we missed before is that he he did yeah. this on his own again, basically against orders. I would say, right? Yeah. So I think you're right, Mike. I think they are leaning into this idea of him becoming like a heavy, you know, empire kind of uh, centric lead. But like at the same time, like he's been devastated by this, so it's going to be interesting. And and the other thing too is like Cassian. You know, we think he's this ruthless guy who's just going to kill anyone who stands in his way. He did have the moment where he confronts Cyril and makes the other call. He decides to let him go. And this is before That's the bombs true. go off. So, so yeah. there is that, that piece to it. He knows that Cassian has spared his life, but I think it's going to be this thing where he kind of, he probably has to get a little deeper. You know, he's going to, he's going to go hard into like revenge mode. Yeah. This is, this is like sort of like what he's doing now is almost, almost, almost he's not the total bad guy. It's almost like, you could put himself through sh- your shoes. You could see where he's coming from. But then I think from here on out, this is almost like his village and or- villain origin story. He's just going to go further and further. Yeah. And- yeah. yeah. Well, you I can see like, like certainly you seems that way. Ian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You can see, like you mentioned Ian, that, um, that he's really upset by this, by this situation uh, for whether, you know, he failed at his mission or whatever. But I think a lot of it too, is that like, you know, this whole thing started with a couple of people being murdered and being killed. And now there's another potentially two, three, four people on his watch, really, or at least partially on his watch that have been killed, you know, and he almost died himself. Like all of that is adding to it. And exactly, I think what you're saying, Mike, where it's sort of like, you know, especially I would say episodes one and three are his villain origin story. I think that's that's pretty much I I think that's where they're going to go with it. Whether they focus on him every episode, every couple episodes, we'll see. But that could very well be the case. And I'm okay with that. I thought he did a great job. I think he's a, he's a compelling character, even if he is just like going to end up being the bad guy. Totally fine. I could watch this guy play this character for an entire season. No problem. So I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that overall, uh, you know, throughout three episodes and I guess like a sort of a complete arc as far as like, just explaining how, you know, the origin of Casa and how Cassian Andor got involved with the rebellion. This is a pretty uh, satisfying conclusion, but we also get the information that Marva is Marva Andor and she's the one that's basically adopted him. Like we mentioned earlier from, from the jump when he was six, taking him off of Canary. And that's kind of how his, his adventure outside of his home planet begin. 
and we're going to hopefully see a little bit more about how that developed, but we know that she's kind of like an adoptive mother figure and that explains a lot about their relationship and why she's trying to keep his past a secret. And I think it does have to do a little bit, like I mentioned with that disaster that happened on Canary. And I think that that's something that happens later in his life when he goes back. So I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Um, overall, just super pumped to where this, this story is headed. I think like we probably will take a wild, there might even be a time jump, like a little bit of a time jump between episode it's, three and four. I, I, I th- if we get into speculation, I have no speculation. I have nothing. <laughs> I, I think it's going to, obviously it's going to like, it's going to show him being brought into the rebellion and maybe he's going to go on missions mm-hmm. for the rebellion. But like, other than that, I have no idea what's going to go. And I think that's a really good thing. Yes. I think that's really yeah. good I, I think, I think the speculation can be pretty, summed up and and just that mike is mm-hmm. exactly it he might do a couple things here and there he might he, he we're going to just see him be more involved in what the rebellion really is mm-hmm. and what yeah. it's currently doing maybe it will take him to different planets and doing different things maybe just for a couple episodes we're just going to meet other characters that we may or may not recognize and figure out what they're doing and how it all started but like but i think we could have suspected that before we watch these episodes you know so is it really telling us anything no but i don't think that's a bad thing either i think you're right yeah yeah and i i agree with both of you and i just think like the only thing i have speculation for or at least expectations at this point is really just based off of having watched rogue one in preparation for the series and knowing that the trailer features characters like mon mothma and saga so we know eventually but but oh cool yeah, like I, I think, like that. eventually we're gonna see like familiar faces, but I think like, that could also be in the se- in like the last yeah episode, or in the well, second season or like like we that's kind of my point because it's like yeah. such a it's such a like the pacing is such that it's like slow build and yeah. it's like a deep burn and it's like okay if we're gonna get twelve episodes and maybe even two seasons like twenty four episodes that's a lot of ground to cover that's a lot of material so like you said it could be way way on down the line we don't know exactly where it's going to go i think that we will see like planets like coruscant again and you know mm. to much to mike's uh dismay maybe even tatooine <laughs> we'll see uh, but uh it's it's it cool that we've, up, we've explored no. like it, this <laughs> new system here like morlani that is like a mid-rim like something that we're not exposed mm. to yet like this is kind of new territory so it like it is a good jumping on point like you said dave like for any new star wars fans like oh what is this like rogue one that is all like that it, it can be yeah it definitely about. can like, be yeah it, it could be a way a way in for people so I, I think that's that's the most exciting part of it but also like we're just getting this like completely new type of series on disney plus yeah that's why it's good. it feels fresh unique and fresh from what what has been done before and mm-hmm. like it feels like Tony Gilroy and to some degree the director Toby Haynes like really kind of understand like they have a, a vision for what they're creating mm-hmm. they have a destination for this yeah. so like you know we're gonna enjoy the ride hopefully and hopefully best thing in my mind the best thing to happen to Star Wars was Disney Plus because I think I think the what was the problem with a lot of the Star Wars stuff is like or the new the most recent trilogy I wouldn't say anything about the other ones but Way too many studio, too much studio interference, you know, with all those movies. Like, how many of those movies had problems? You know, how many movies had replaced directors, replaced writers from Solo to the Skywalker, the Rise of Skywalker, to the Han Solo movie? Like, there was just way too much and it just showed in the movies. And I think on Disney Plus, it's like 
it's not as much as, as much at stake as a movie so they can really let the creators like take the helm and like really see their vision through and you don't have all this interference that you seem to have with the movies and it's like the best thing that happened to star wars and you're getting these creators like actually being able to like follow through on their vision like with it's john favreau with mandalorian or tony gilroy here with andor and it's like for me it's like the best thing that's happened to star wars in a long well, time i think i think it, it to me anyway it feels well we, we're talking about she hulk and other episodes on patreon and all that kind of stuff but to me it does feel like you just said mike it feels like they're able to do that just slightly more in star wars mm-hmm. than they are in the marvel shows um, or it's just taken them longer to get there with the Marvel show. I just feel like there's a little bit like Mandalorian and this are the prime example of that for for sure. Um, while we've enjoyed all the shows, I, I think you're right. I think that that like the fact that they're allowing them to do that. I mean, we shouldn't we should celebrate the fact that they're allowing to do what they want. But mm. also, like, just let them do what they want at the same time. You know, like, yeah. it's just come on. Yeah, like if you hire a director for the movie. Let them, you know, finish the movie. <laughs> like, right, right, yeah, but, right, yeah. That's a prime example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, like, like I think one other thing that I just want to mention is like the expectations. Like we said, like we don't, we don't really know what to expect because I think even throughout these three episodes, this condition us to be like, oh, we don't. There is no like set formula. Like the episode two, I don't even think had an action sequence other than that one like shootout that happened in the flashback scene. Yeah, I think so, that's, like, that's it. So yeah. like to not have an action sequence in a Star Wars project even for one episode, that seems like a departure from like what we would come to yeah. expect from from a galaxy far, far away. So I'm just real I think, you know, all three of us, but we're real on board <laughs> for, for what they're what they're dishing out here. Yeah, so we're I'm, in I'm for really Andor. For um, the, the only, I, I will say, I don't know that I love that they call it Andor. I don't know. I don't know what the name would be, but it's just like, does it have to really be based around like a character? I, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Well, isn't there Endor as well? Like the moons of Endor? And Endor, it's like, yeah. Would they have Andor and Endor? It's just, that's, that's no, no. Because I was watching with my wife and she's like, oh, Andor, is that on the planet? Like she thought the, the show was, was on the planet with the uh, Ewoks. I was like, oh no, that's, first of all, it's not a planet. And second of all, that's Endor. Yeah, she's like, yeah, an Ewok Andor. special and yeah, Ewok like, TV show. She could watch that if she wants. You know what though? <laughs> I almost wish they had called Obi-Wan Kenobi Kenobi because it plays in mm. the fact that he's both Obi-Wan and Ben. But also, right. like, just having that name Kenobi, and then you now you have Andor, and they're both very instrumental in sort of like the yeah. how the rebellion came to conquer the empire, to overcome the empire. Like, they're both very key in different ways. So it's it, it's interesting. Like, definitely rewatching Rogue One, you you get an appreciation for how instrumental this Rogue One crew or like Cassian's crew was, and like being able to like allow for any of the events of the skywalker saga to yeah to play out yeah, exactly which which is which is a prime a good good point exactly mm-hmm. so um yeah okay so yeah we are definitely in on this show we're definitely going to continue talking about it just as we are with she hulk like i mentioned on patreon we're doing sort of a couple episodes at a time but you can also find our first episode uh, recap and, and review of that on the main feed um mike where can everybody find all those goods yeah, if you want to listen to us dive deeper into the Disney Plus shows, it's uh, patreon.com slash back in my day. And on social media, where we find us and everything we do, it's at day back in on almost all of these social media apps like Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And the podcast is called Back in My Day. You can find it on pretty much any podcast app. And if you want to help the show out, you can leave a little review. You can download the shows. That really helps. And thanks for listening. 
that's it. That's our stuff. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Thanks everyone for listening and uh, we'll see you as the series continues and we have some more non-Star Wars and uh, Marvel episodes coming up as well. We'll talk to you then. Is there tequila in space? I made sure there is. You yeah, made yeah, sure yeah. there is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there is, there has to be tequila to say those names. You know? <laughs>